0: Welcome again to our Wednesday Bible study and in this video we are at the very end of the book of Philippians. So we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4. This is the final chapter. But there's still a lot of great things in this chapter and you know I said that the chapter 2 is probably one of my favorites. Uh, chapter 4 has a lot of good stuff in it too. So we need to make sure that we, that we do take our time with this chapter and learn the things that, that Paul is finishing up this letter uh, talking about. Let's look at verses 1 through 3. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Euodia, and I plead with Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Now, see, I know that there's a, a, only just kind of a few verses that we've already looked at, but there's some very important things in these verses, because one of the things that he writes to this church about, and he says, you know, it's I think it's pretty plain that that he has already been mentioning um, how he loves this church and how important this church is to him, but right here in verse one, he actually refers to these people as his joy and his crown. Now, I mean, I think that's very interesting if we can kind of uh, think about having that type of close relationship with, with uh, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ that, you know, because of our connection with them and because of our, our joint efforts in this kingdom of God, he considers them his joy. He considers them his crown. Is that the way that you look at other churches? You know, is that the way that I look at other churches? You know, we can learn from the lesson of Paul. Now, He's not just saying just positive things right here, though, because there's also some, some discipline that has to take place. You know, it doesn't really matter uh, how, how good or, or how, uh, you know, messed up your church might be. From your perspective, there's always going to be some type of room for improvement. Okay, if you want, you can look at it on a personal level. I mean, isn't there always going to be some room for improvement in your own life? Well, that's how it is with churches too. Because these churches that we all are a part of, they're made up of people. We make mistakes. Sometimes we need to be corrected. And here Paul calls out two of these people. And he says, they need to be of the same mind in the Lord. You know, maybe we can learn from this lesson. And maybe we can also perhaps take a little bit of time to, to meditate. You know, think about and study. What does it mean? to be of the same mind in the Lord. Does that mean that you're always gonna agree on every single thing, and, and you know every single verse in the Bible or, or, or things like that? Is that what it means to be of the same mind in the Lord? Or is there maybe even more that it might mean? You know, One of the things that Paul has already been talking about with the mind is telling us to have the same mind uh, that Christ had. And now he's telling these two people to be of the same mind in the Lord. And he's also, actually kind of kind of appealing to them and he's he's talking with them as as being uh, companions with him he says you know help with them you know help uh, that that situation help them to mend that relationship um, sadly so many times uh, in churches today you know we we solve problems by just oh uh, we start going to a different church you know and we have a lot of churches around in the area so that's something that, that we kind of have a little bit of a luxury of being able to do, but that doesn't always fix the problems. You know, I mean, yeah, okay, you might have to deal with the problem, but just going from one church and going to another church, that didn't mend the relationship. It didn't fix the relationship. And right here, Paul is asking not just that, that they move to a different place. He's asking that they actually press through it. Think about a church as a family. You know, I mean, if if you don't like your own family, do you just pick up and leave that family? Or do you mend the relationship? Well, I think there's a lot of lessons that we can learn about the church itself. We also uh, find out that what Paul is going to, to talk about after he kind of uh, praises them and after he also kind of tells them, hey, you need to step it up right here and you need to do something about this. He also tells them how he's able to have and to keep this positive attitude. This is what he says. Verses four through seven, he says, rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let me pause right here before we keep reading because I want to remind you, Paul wrote this letter from prison, okay? So he's in chains and he's saying, rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. You know, maybe that's just kind of a small thing, but I think it's very important to recognize he's telling them to rejoice, he is rejoicing, even though his situation doesn't look all that great. Now let's go back to it. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Well, we see that, of course, that, that God has not just left us alone to do all these things. We see that this peace of God, um, he, as verse 7 says, you know, we can't necessarily understand this peace that God gives, but we know that this peace of God will guard our hearts and he can guard our minds in Christ Jesus. We need to be people who will rejoice. We need to be people who will practice uh, being gentle toward uh, one another to not be anxious about these things. Instead of being anxious, let's try praying for them. You know, instead of being afraid of the situation, uh, let's rest on our faith. And let's make sure that we recognize that our God is a big God. Our God is a mighty God. He is a great God. He can give us peace. He can help in any and every situation that we find ourselves in. We need to find ways that we can rejoice in the Lord always. And Paul said, I'll say it again, rejoice. I think that might be a message that we need to remind one another of quite often, is that we need to rejoice in the Lord in all of our situations, whether they are good or bad. This is one way to help any situation uh, even uh, be a little bit more bearable for us uh, if we keep reading the following verses. Verses 8 and 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the advice that he gives. Once again, I will remind you, he's in prison, and he's writing this, and he's saying, look, this is what we need to be, people. We need to think about such things. We need to dwell upon these things, focus on these things. You know, so many times we hear about uh, what, what is going like in, uh, in, in this area or that area, or, you know, we look at the, the world and we see, oh, well, there's so much uh, hurting, there's so much pain, there's so much sin, or something like that. What did Paul tell us to do? He doesn't tell us to ignore those things. Okay, Jesus never told us to ignore those things. But he's in prison at this time. And he says, look, think about things that are true, that are noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Think about those types of things. You know, I think that if we can actually practice this verse, uh, that we will find out that, that if we can change the way that we think, it will also change the way that we act and the way that we interact with one another. And we will be able to have a, a more positive outlook uh, about life. Now, I'm not saying everything always has to be, you know, sunshines and, and, and roses and things like that. What I am saying is that let's stick with what Paul is saying. He's telling us this, these are the things we need to focus on. You know, we're also told from, from another book in the Bible, uh, in the book of James, we're told that every good and perfect gift, it comes down from uh, from above, from our Heavenly Father. Every good and perfect gift. We can dwell upon those things, can't we? We can focus on those things. Because every good thing that is in your life, it has come from God. Then we also find in verse 9 that we need to be people who are are a good example for others to follow. And we need to find good examples for us to follow. Because, you know, he says right here, Look, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and God will be with you. That's what he's saying. You know, Paul lived his life in such a way that, that he could say, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. Let, let's make sure that we we keep following Christ and, and you just kind of come along with me and you follow and you do these great things that, uh, that I'm doing as well and press forward. You know, that's the type of, of lifestyle that he lived. That can also be a wonderful goal for us to live, that we can be the type of example for other people to be able to follow and for it to be a positive experience for all of us. Verses 10 through 13 now. He continues, he says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. One very famous verse, Philippians four thirteen, says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. You know I learned this from another translation, so I might kind of go back to that other one that I know. you know I, I learned about I can do all things through Christ, who gives me strength. it's It's the same thing, it's the same concept. It's clearly that is how Paul gets through these things. Now I think it's important to understand what this verse does say and what this verse does not say. Now, you know, sometimes I think that the people use this verse as if, uh, well, you know God enables to do uh, God enables us to do anything and everything that we possibly want to do. That's actually not what this verse is even saying right here. What Paul is saying is if you go back to verses 10, uh, I'm sorry, especially verses 11 and 12, you know, he says that he has learned to be content whatever his circumstances are. So, this about doing all of these things through Christ who gives him strength, it has to do with being content. Now, being content means that whatever your circumstances might be, If you have plenty, if you might be in need, if you might be in prison, as Paul was whenever he wrote this, he has learned to rest on the strength of Christ in any and every situation. That's such a wonderful lesson for us to learn and for us to put into practice too. Philippians 4.13 doesn't mean that God will just enable us to do anything and everything we want to do. It does mean that God's strength will allow us to be able to endure whatever circumstances we might find ourselves in. Whatever the circumstances, we can still be content. We can still be okay. I mean, we are people who know this wonderful news about the gospel, that Jesus has given us a chance for new life. He's given us life itself. That alone should give us strength. And of course, there's so much more uh, that comes along with that. Paul learned that lesson throughout his life. It's a lesson that we need to be aware of as well. And that we need to put into practice uh, within each one of our lives uh, too. Verses 14 through 20 now. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So in this section right here, Paul is, is talking about how there's, there's been times whenever he's been in need. And there's been a very important time when this uh, church at Philippi has helped him out. They were the only ones, in fact, that, that were sending him aid uh, during a certain time in his life. And he's writing to them and he's, he's thanking them for that uh, relationship, for that uh, partnership that they are willing to have with him. He's also saying, you know, look, I'm not asking for more gifts. I'm just, you know, wanting uh, this to be credited to your account. And he actually uh, mentions that their gift is a fragrant offering. Verse uh, 18 is what I'm looking at here. Uh, their gift is a fragrant offering. It's an acceptable sacrifice. It's pleasing to God so he talks about their their gifts as being a gift an offering a sacrifice something that is pleasing to god you know sometimes we we make a distinction and we say oh well you know there are all these sacrifices and offerings in the old testament well guess what you know we still do have offerings and sacrifices in the new testament but they're different they're not the animal sacrifices that were in the old testament these sacrifices now here, are gifts, are sharing in this gospel, sharing in the spread of the gospel. And this church was sharing it in Paul's mission, in Paul's ministry right here. And he just asks for them to be blessed. And he knows that God is going to give them anything that they possibly need. Then Paul finishes out this letter by saying, "'Greet all God's people, in christ jesus the brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings all god's people here send you greetings especially those who belong to caesar's household the grace of our lord jesus christ be with your spirit amen and with that that's how how paul ends this passage in this greeting one another you know he's he's sending greetings they're sending greetings back you know it's this this mutual greeting of things we do the same types of things today don't we it's also very interesting that, that apparently Paul's ministry has reached a, 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 an amazing amount by this point. In verse 22, you know, he speaks about those people who belong to, to Caesar's household. Now, we don't know exactly who he's talking about right there. I mean, Caesar's household could have been a really large group of, of people that that, all, that that phrase encompasses. But it shows us that he's getting more and more to to being this bold message among the Gentiles. And this bold message among those who are in Rome. Now, we don't know if he was in Rome at the time uh, that he was in prison, uh, but wherever he was, um, he was preaching to these uh, the, these guards um, that could also be perhaps described as, as Caesar's household as well. So news about Paul and the type of person and mission and ministry that he's involved in, news of that has been spreading and it's reached the, the far ends of the world at this time. I think there's also some lessons we can learn there that we need to be people who are actively spreading the good news everywhere that we find ourselves whether we might find ourselves in prison or free or in need or with plenty we can be content we can rest on the strength that Christ gives us and I know this this video has been kind of a little bit shorter and if you feel like it, uh, it has been a little bit shorter and you're, you're looking for something just a little bit more to, uh, to take a look at, I would strongly encourage you again to take, out the, uh, to take a look at the video from the Bible Project um, that goes over the book of Philippians. You know, I know that I, I encourage you to do that before we read this book. And I think it's important that uh, as we study it, um, that we, we kind of end on this too, because it gives you an overview of what the book uh, was all about. We looked at all these different parts And then it's important to kind of see it all coming together again because we've looked at it over the course of a month. Well, you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I can kind of uh, not always realize how everything fits together if I uh, take too much time uh, away from looking at all. These overview videos are are great to, to draw it all together and help it to stick in the future so that we can learn these wonderful lessons from this wonderful book, Paul's Letter to the Ephesians. Uh, Thank you for joining me in this study, and I look forward to uh, a new study with you next week.